Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage and listen to them anywhere. Today, a harsh assessment from a chief critic of federal vaccine mandates coming soon to a city near you. As of the date I'm recording this podcast, the Biden administration's federal vaccine mandates haven't fully kicked in. Federal employees and contractors have something like 75 days from the announcement in September to comply. The 100 million or so who work at private companies with 100 or more employees, well, that regulation for vaccine mandates hasn't been released by the feds, but it's coming soon. Weirdly, this mandate to get vaccinated, this unprecedented policy, comes as many scientists are saying the vaccines are wearing off far more quickly than anybody hoped. Scientists disagree now whether people should get boosters, and they disagree as to whether kids should get the shots at all. And thousands of people who are fully vaccinated are getting sick and even dying. It seems sort of like an unlikely time to mandate that everybody get the vaccines. And by the way, one comparison you don't hear much is not just the vaccinated and unvaccinated numbers, how many are hospitalized and so on, but the one you don't hear much is how many unvaccinated people who already had COVID are ending up reinfected or in the hospital. Well, that is the tiniest number of all. People who've had COVID before, by all accounts, are not ending up back in the hospital or dying of COVID nearly as much as the unvaccinated who haven't had COVID or the vaccinated. In other words, according to studies, people who haven't been vaccinated but had COVID, even if they had it asymptomatically, without symptoms as many people do, they're faring better on the immunity front than those who are fully vaccinated. And one of the great mysteries is why the federal government is not recognizing that. Or if the subject of natural immunity comes up, they refuse to factor it in. They simply say those people should get vaccinated anyway. Adding to the crisis and confidence in the advice from some public health officials is the fact that CDC intentionally has distributed false information on this front before. They seem to have an agenda. And I did a whole investigation about this on my TV program, Full Measure, after Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky recorded top CDC officials and scientists admitting that they were putting out false information, claiming in December and January that the Pfizer and Moderna studies showed people who've had COVID still benefit from getting vaccinated anyway. The studies did not show that. And even after they acknowledged that in a recording that Thomas Massey made in his conversations with them on the phone, they continued to distribute this false information to the public and to medical professionals. So one could argue there's good reason to be skeptical of some of what public health officials are telling us. It's their fault because they provided so much false information. You can probably think up your own examples. Another one is when the head of CDC falsely told the public some months ago that vaccinated people can't spread COVID. That was never true. She seems to be one of the only ones who thought it or at least said so. CDC had to retract her statement because it was so wildly false. What exactly is going on here? The mandates and how they're going to work don't make a lot of sense to some people, including many scientists. If it's really about safety, why are smaller businesses exempt? Can't people at smaller businesses get and spread COVID? If it's all about the science and protection, why are people who had two shots back in January considered protected? 
They're not in Israel. There, they know the shots are wearing off for most after about six months. So there, you're no longer considered vaccinated after six months. Here, millions of people who will be considered compliant under the federal mandate have been vaccinated eight months ago, nine plus months ago. In any event, I might mention to hear the other side of this story, you want to check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, as well as my TV show this week, Full Measure. But here's Senator Ron Johnson. We're doing a story that's going to look at the vaccine mandates that are about to come to pass. What are some of your initial reflections about that? It's going to be a disaster for our healthcare industry and for many segments of our economy. Uh, I've been, before President Biden announced the coercive freedom-robbing mandate from the federal government, uh, hospitals that were mandating vac- vaccines. I- I've been hearing from their doctors, from their nurses, people that are heroes. They had the courage and compassion to treat COVID patients. Many of them contracted COVID. Some tragically died. Most survived. Uh, now they're treating vaccine injuries. Uh, they, they, they read the science. They, they see the study out of Israel it says that natural immunity is 13 to 27 times more effective than the vaccine. They're, they're treating the injuries. They're not going to get vaccinated. They don't want to lose their job. They love their jobs. They love taking care of patients. But what they're going to do is they're, they're going to be terminated. And then we are going to experience an enormous loss of manpower and experience and expertise in our healthcare system. It's, it's already occurring. We, hospitals are not being overwhelmed because of COVID. Hospitals are being overwhelmed because we already have a healthcare worker shortage. And let's face it, hospitals like any other business, I'm in manufacturing, you, you don't have all kinds of excess capacity. You run your hospitals at pretty much full capacity. So flu seasons can sometimes put great deal stress on an individual hospital or, or many of them. So COVID's really not much different from that aspect, but what, what is different now is that You've got baby boom generation nurses starting to retire. Uh, and, and again, this mandate is just going to exacerbate, exacerbate the problem. And, and also, there's, there's no rationale. There's no logical rationale for the mandate. We know that vaccinated individuals can get infected. They can transmit the disease. So what benefit are we getting from segregating our society, vaccinated versus unvaccinated? It makes no sense. And of course, the fact that we're not allowing for natural immunity is, is even more bizarre. So it's, it's that inconsistency, it's that illogic to have many Americans really questioning the integrity of our CDC, the FDA, the NIH. What, what's going on here? It doesn't make sense. There's so much about how we have mishandled COVID that makes no sense. And it just raises my suspicions. When, when, I, when I can't get sensical answers to legitimate questions, I get, I get even more curious. How do you think this plays out? <clears throat> Sorry. How do you think this plays out? There are already some legal challenges to federal vaccine mandates. Um, I think maybe it'll be more difficult to challenge ones within the federal government and contractors than perhaps some that apply to private companies. I don't know. How do you think it plays out? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I believe the challenges to federal mandates will succeed, but probably too late. It'll probably be too late. The damage will already been done. Uh, the courts seem to be pretty open to private sector mandates. Um, from my standpoint, uh, somebody who's not a supporter of the trial lawyers, who, who really does appreciate property rights and you know, trying to leave businesses alone, uh, I would not have a problem in ha- having people who have been coerced, having to decide under duress, the duress of losing their job, their health care, the support of their families, 
uh, taking a vaccine that they did not want to take, and if they are vaccine injured, I would have no problem. I would support a cause of action against employers that coerced people into doing something they didn't want to do. Look, I believe nobody should be pressured, coerced, or fear reprisal from refusing any medical treatment. Now, I'm the champion of right to try. You know, that, that basically gave individuals the freedom to access a drug that hasn't, been gone, hasn't gone through the full FDA approval, but it's gone through the safety phase. Well, the corollary of that is right to refuse. These are very difficult individual decisions that Americans have to make, that people around the world have to make. We should respect the difficulty of those decisions. We should give them and arm them with as much information as possible. And that's where the CDC, FDA, NIH have really fallen down. They are not providing Americans the information. We're getting a lot more information out of England and out of Israel, where we have to kind of draw conclusions. But we need to respect people's own personal health autonomy, their individual liberty, and their their ability to make tough, tough decisions. This is not easy. You know, I've got people in my family gra grappling with, you know, should I get vaccinated, should I not? Uh, right now it's about 50-50. But they're tough decisions. They're not easy decisions, and we need to recognize that and respect that. Did you get COVID and did you get vaccinated? Yeah, I, I had COVID. I was asymptomatic. I got two tests to confirm. Uh, quite honestly, I, I was never quite sure whether I had it because I was totally asymptomatic. Uh, as about 40 to 50 percent of, of people who get COVID are asymptomatic, and we don't ask why that is either. But I won't go down that path. Uh, later on, uh, the first month or so when vaccines were available, I was asked by a reporter, have you been vaccinated? And I was just honest, I said, no, you know, I, I already had COVID. I probably have better immunity than the vaccine can uh, provide me anyway. And there aren't enough to go around right now anyway. So I'll wait my turn. I'll, I'll see what the science comes in. I was immediately labeled anti-vax, which I'm not. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of got involved in this. Uh, one of the things I, I did is I had my antibodies checked then. Again, I was, I was never quite sure whether I really had it or not because I had no symptoms. I have a whopping level of antibodies. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident myself in terms of, uh, you know, whatever immunity you can get to this coronavirus, I, I probably have it. Will you be required to get the vaccine under the federal mandate? No, remember, Congress is a separate branch of government, and I think what, what rubs people... Uh, the wrong way oftentimes is Congress is exempt from, from laws and from executive orders. Okay. And by the way, so I, no, I, I, won't, I won't be forced into it and I will not force my staff either. Again, I'm completely opposed to mandates, either you know, government-induced uh, or private sector. More with Senator Johnson after a short break. Before we get back to my interview with Senator Johnson, I'm going to play for you a short excerpt of a presentation related to what we're talking about today that he recently made on the Senate floor using visual aids, which I know you can't see, but you'll get the gist of it. Let's look at some data, the type of data that we're not getting from our health care agencies. So we have to look, unfortunately, to England and to Israel that are more transparent. Now, I, don't rec I don't expect anybody to be able to read the figures here. I'll give you, I'll give you the highlights, but I'm, I'm showing that this is from Public Health England. This is one of their, their federal health care agencies. This is from their technical briefing number 23, dated September 17, 2021. It covers cases for about seven and a half months, from the beginning of February to February 12th. He means September 12th there, from the beginning of February to September 12th. What the data shows is that during that seven and a half month period in England, there were about 750,000 new COVID cases. 
about a little under 600,000 of those were the Delta variant, about 80%. The number of deaths associated with those 600,000 Delta cases was 2,542, which gives us a case fatality ratio of about 0.4. This gets a little arcane. He understands a lot about this. He's dug deeply into it. A case fatality rate sounds higher than the actual death rate of the disease in question because you're talking about the death rate among the small subset of people that we know have the disease. Many people, if not most people, according to scientists, get COVID asymptomatically with symptoms that have no symptoms or symptoms that are very mild. They're not factored into the case fatality rate. If they were, the death rate would be much, much tinier. But in any event, he's making the distinction between these two. He's comparing the case fatality rate for COVID, which is pretty small, but bigger than the actual total fatality rate, to the total fatality rate for flu. Again, case fatality is higher than infection fatality because these are actually registered cases and there are all kinds of infections that never get registered. So to put this in context, an infection fatality rate for a bad flu season is slightly under 0.2, half of this. Just going to put things in perspective. Now, President Biden, and this has been parroted by media, news media, said that what we are currently experiencing is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They don't give us really any data to back that up. They just to proclaim, pronounce that 99% of people with COVID now are unvaccinated, but they don't give us the data. But we have data from England, and here's the data. So of the 600,000 cases in England, 43% were with the unvaxxed, 27% were with the fully vaxxed, another 30% were with partially vaxxed or just undetermined. But I think what's interesting, because here's another quote from President Biden. President Biden said, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to an ICU unit. You're not going to die. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Now to pause for a moment, can you imagine if Donald Trump were president and said those things, all the fact-checking that would be done pointing out that that's false? But President Biden says these things, he's speaking in generalities, and even though it's not true, he's not banned from social media, he's not being fact-checked on a broad basis by major media organizations pointing out that what he's reporting is factually incorrect. Maybe that's true in the U.S. I kind of doubt it because in England, of the 600,000 new cases of Delta, of the over 2,500 deaths, 63% of those deaths, 1,613 people were were the fully vaccinated. 28% were with the unvaxxed. Now, this is information the American people have probably never heard. It's information, by conveying it, I will get attacked, I will be vilified, I will be censored, I will be suppressed. It's one of the reasons I've come to the floor of the Senate to reveal this information that the American people need to know. And now more of my interview with Senator Johnson. What is the data from England that you were showing? What does that tell us? Well, Public Health England, which is one of their federal health agencies, actually publishes good information. And their public health or their technical briefing number 23, it was, it was published uh, in September here. 
It shows about seven and a half months worth of cases in England. And they've had in total about 750,000 cases of COVID over the last seven and a half months. About 600,000 of those are the Delta variant, about 80%. Now, President Biden tells us that this is a pandemic of the unvaxxed. Well, the data from England doesn't prove that in England, certainly, because of the 2,542 deaths, 63% are with the fully vaccinated population, 63%. By the way, that 2,542 death number, that equates to a a, a case fatality rate of about 0.4%. Now, a really bad flu season has an infection fatality rate of about 0.18, a little less than half of the case fatality rate, but case fatality rate is much higher than the infection fatality rate because so many cases go unreported. So cases are reported, infections include everything. And so we're looking right now, again, you know, deaths lag cases. So that case fatality rate will probably increase, but this is seven and a half months worth of data. So we've been closing down our economies or threatening to close them down again on a disease with a case fatality rate of the case fatality rate, no, no more than double, about double of a, seasonal, a bad seasonal flu's infection fatality rate. And to emphasize, 63% of those deaths in England were the fully vaccinated. Uh, another 90% was with partially or you know, un, un, undetermined. So it's, it's, it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Where do you think this is going to go? Do you think that... Um, there will be fairly permanent mandates in a lot of workplaces around the country now? Well, we have had mandates for different types of vaccines, but, you know, for example, the seasonal flu vaccine, it's been around for decades. If but never in it, the workplace. I don't think in the workplace. Well, but, but, I mean, maybe certain jobs. In, in healthcare, that type. So, I mean, there have been private sector mandates, which is why the courts are pretty well supportive of them. They've enforced them in the past. Um, I am just highly concerned about how corrosive this is to our societies. As I talk to these nurses, they're being shunned within their health care facilities, within hospitals. They're being called killers. Um, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm inundated with the testimonials from nurses. One was a, a nurse, nurse with a uh, master's degree, but she's also a professor of nursing. And as the faculty of this nursing institution were discussing whether or not they should provide any exemptions or accommodations to their students. They decided they weren't going to because all the other nursing schools were you know, going to have pretty absolute mandates as well. And, and one of the faculty members, and this is how she wrote it to me, one of the faculty members uh, pointed out, well, just, just let them try and get, uh, find a new career. And they laughed. And the, the writer went on to say, think about that. They laughed. They laughed at the fact they were crushing their students' dreams. I, mean, I, I, I quote that testimony because it's such a good example of what is happening to our, our society. We are already a divided society. This mandate divides us even further, and it comes from a man who gave his inaugural address saying his number one goal was to unify and heal this nation, and he's doing the exact opposite. Anything else along those lines you want to say about the mandates or the data, what you're hearing from constituents? Oh, you signed on to a bill, I saw, 
uh, that, that Senator Scott. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be signing on to every anti-mandate bill that comes down the pike. So this, I mean, this, so this there is, is an anti-mandate bill. Not that's yeah, yeah, going to go anywhere. But, but it won't pass. I mean, none of these will pass. I mean, they're, I hate to say it, but they're, they're messaging bills. Uh, what we may want to do is, uh, if you can put this up on a graphic later on, is, is the chart that I presented on the, on the Senate floor yesterday. Hold it and show it and tell me what it shows. So this, this chart, I, I presented this on the Senate floor when I uh, spoke in support of Senator Scott's bill. And what this is shows, uh, the blue bars are, are daily new cases. And you can see, you know, we peaked nationally somewhere late December, early January, before the vaccines ever had a chance of really being effective. Uh, the gold line here shows the percent of the population fully vaccinated. You can see it rises to a little over 60%. Now, what's notable about this is before the vaccines even could take hold, we were on the way downside. I mean, the, the, the pandemic was winding down, at least of the, of the Alpha variant. You would think, I think we all hoped, we prayed that the vaccine would be 100% safe, 100% effective. So you'd think this chart, you would just see a continuing winding down of the cases, but that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing this huge surge again. It's, this is an enor enormous surge. What does that tell you? That's what I'm asking. I mean, what my assumption would be, and again, I'm not a medical researcher, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't really you know, draw an inf a medical conclusion to this. But just as a layman, it tells me that the vaccines are not as effective as we all hoped and prayed they would be. And of course, I've been attacked and vilified uh, for, I guess, having the, uh, the temerity to actually point out the CDC and FDA's own safety surveillance warning systems, the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Um, I've been pointing that out now for months when, when the total deaths were being reported about 3,000. Right now on VAERS, we're up to 15,000 deaths reported worldwide with the uh, vaccines using an emergency use authorization in the U.S. Uh, 5,000 of those, over 5,000 of those 15,000 deaths have occurred on days zero, one, or two. Now, the, the two big criticisms of VAERS is it doesn't prove causation, which, which is true. But if people are dying the day they get the vaccine or within two days, I would at least be concerned about that. And the FDA CDC doesn't seem to be particularly concerned. As a matter of fact, when I raised that with the Director Collins directly in person, he just pretty well brushed off. You know, Senator, we, we've, we've shown that six, only six, you know, those, those young women that got blood clots, we've got six deaths. Well, it's, you know, Senator, people die. Uh, we have over 725,000 adverse events. And again, the other criticism of VAERS is it dramatically underreports because people don't even know about it. It's burdensome to report. There's one Harvard study said that only 1% of adverse events are reported on the VAERS system. Now, I think with COVID, it's probably a higher percentage than that. But this should concern people. And, you know, I, I held an event uh, with vaccine injured women. Now, one little girl, 12-year-old uh, Maddie DeGarry, they're part of the trials. She was. She was part of the Pfizer trial. She got paralyzed. She, she can't eat. She has to have a, a feeding tube. Uh, another uh, woman, Bree Dressen, uh, was part of the AstraZeneca trial. She was paralyzed from the waist down, lost control of her bladder. Uh, they're somewhat recovered, but not fully. All, all, they, all they ask for is, would you, we want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to be believed, we want to be healed. How can, you, how can you heal somebody? How can you treat them effectively if you're not even willing to acknowledge the possible root cause would be the vaccines, but they're being blown off, 
they're being ignored. They're given, being given the back of the hand by not only our, our health, federal health agencies, but also from the vaccine manufacturers themselves. You'd think the vaccine manufacturers would be all over their case. And of course, CDC, FDA held a, a video conference in October of 2020, before the emergency use authorization, and they were touting, they were bragging about their surveillance system, about the VAERS system, and you know, talking about, listen, you know, we're gonna take these adverse events so seriously. If you have an adverse event and you lose a couple of days of the job, we're gonna have a CDC representative on the phone talking to you. Nothing could have been further from the truth. The CDC, they're not even calling up families of people who have died. They just don't think it's relevant. They're not that interested. So I am highly disappointed in the lack of concern on the part of our federal health agencies, the lack of transparency, the fact that we have to go to Public Health England or data from Israel to, to try and get some information to make an informed choice about doing something you know, pretty significant, you know, taking a vaccine that is experimental. This technology has been, never been used in a vaccine. This is not a standard vaccine. A lot of people argue it's not even a vaccine. It's something else. But we're supposed to do this. We're, we're supposed to listen to, I guess, Anthony Fauci, who's flip-flopped so many times, who basically has lied to Congress about his involvement with gain-of-function research. Uh, we're supposed to listen to these health agencies that I've written more than a dozen oversight letters to that simply don't respond or fully respond or adequately respond to my oversight. There's no transparency. We're not getting the information the American public need. It's outrageous. That was Senator Ron Johnson. And again, for the other side of the story, a vaccine mandate proponent, you can listen to my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, And be sure and catch the Sunday episode of my TV program, Full Measure. If you want to know how to watch that, go to CherylAxon.com, click the Full Measure tab, and you can find a station near you or figure out how to watch online. If you like the podcast, I hope you'll share it with your friends, leave a great review, and subscribe. And check out the other great podcasts by going to the homepage of JustTheNews.com and see the list of them. But you can listen to them anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.